0: Mission two, San Jose From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
1: <laughs> hey, one more time. Can you just give me one
0: test? Yeah, sure. We're here on a beautiful day, sitting in the garden. Pretty good. Too bad I don't have any wine or <laughs> can't smoke a little joint, you know? <laughs> I smell a lot of marijuana when I go to the, when the Chronicle. Uh, you now, need it. it. In my day, you would have needed it. It was like the wax museum. I am recording, Tom. That's fine. <laughs> you know, they used to, like, you know, demand your presence You know, at the Chronicle, and you'd go and you'd walk into this wood-paneled room, and it was really a bunch of white guys, older. Uh-huh. And the, we always called it the wax museum, you know. <laughs> and um, holy shit, it was quite... It was quite an experience, you know. They were all very disapproving.
1: Well, the wood room's still there, and uh, Doesn't it have most like of a those people are thing? gone.
0: Doesn't it have, like, a stained glass thing? Oh, yeah, the stained glass. They thought there were gods. See, I knew there was one. <laughs> I should gen- I, I have genuflected when I came in. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: You just heard Tom Amiano in his backyard in Bernal before we started the latest Total SF. I've been wanting to talk to Amiano since I read his memoir titled, Kiss My Gay Ass, one of my favorite reads of the past few years. The reason why I want to talk to him is because it's funny, and he's funny. When you interview Amiano, he gives you a good quote, and before and after you get some fun off-the-record dish, Kiss My Gay Ass is like that off-the-record dish as a book. Second thing is it puts Amiano's career in perspective, the battles he fought, healthcare for San Francisco, domestic partner benefits, cannabis, battles against the Roman Catholic Church. These were all seen as radical at the time. Now it's mainstream, not just in the Bay Area but nationwide. And speaking of nationwide, we talk a lot about Amiano's track letter. He was awarded his varsity letter from his high school, Immaculate Conception High in New Jersey. More than 60 years after the fact, there's a wonderful New York Times story about it last month, which I'll share on Twitter again. And from there in this episode, we're all over the place in a good way. We also talk about when he was shelled in Vietnam. He was a teacher in Vietnam during the war. Uh, we talk about his early comedy years in San Francisco. There's an excellent Diane Feinstein story in this episode, and just lots of sweet and poignant stories from his childhood and early years, stories that I think people really haven't heard, even if you know Amiano pretty well. A couple more notes. This Total SF has our red explicit label, the red e for language. Let's call it rated R, but your kids probably have heard all these words in school anyway. It's a soft R, but it's an R. Kiss My Gay Ass is published by Bay Guardian Books at www.kissmygayass.com. That URL was wide open for decades, people. You missed out. And Heather Knight will be back next week. She's on a deserved week off. Heather and I are really excited about next week's episode. For now, I'm Peter Hartlob, flying solo, Tom Amiano coming up, and this is Total SF. Welcome to Total SF. Tom Amiano. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. I work for the Chronicle and you've yeah, let me sure. in your Weren house. Yeah, sure. Weren't you my you're... paper
0: boy years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was not your paper boy. Oh, I thought you looked familiar, but... You have a lovely backyard. Um, this is just a fantastic space. Yeah, uh, we're, th- so,
0: we're, we're, we're lucky. I mean, it's, it's modest, but it's it, it certainly during COVID yeah. has been a little sanctuary.
1: I want to ask you about that. COVID, how are you doing? Are you vaccinated? How are things going for you? Yeah, you know,
0: after a big, big hassle, uh, I did get vaccinated and um, I had to go to San Mateo. And um, so that hurdle is over. Uh, you know, you do miss your friends, you do miss your family. Uh, I like to socialize, you know, have a martini and shoot the shit, so to speak. So, you know, that's that's been missing. Yeah. Um, for being, I think the circumstance for me is, now that I'm older, you know, hanging out at home and being in the garden stuff isn't, you know, it's kind of a, a reward. Yeah. Uh, but there's no way I could ever not be involved in the political scene in San Francisco. First of all, people wouldn't let me, which I'm grateful for. But second of all, you know it's kind of in your blood, so what you do is you moderate you uh, modulate it uh-huh. so not being in office and everything in your face and the, uh, I don't I very seldom miss that, but mm-hmm. you know if people ask your opinion or you want to give unsolicited advice, which I'm very good at uh you know it keeps uh, keeps things vibrant and um I do think that some of the things I experience you know twenty thirty even 40 years ago, um, help me now in, you know, in what I'm looking at. Or, or uh, you know, everybody I'm a big flamer and now it's time to pass the torch. Uh-huh. I like the passing of the torch, you know.
1: Do you get a lot of calls? Do you get a lot of people I, I asking do. You for your advice, asking you to put your name on a...
0: Yes, when I'm needed. And then, uh, you know, I always say, call Willie Brown, where's the check? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is, you know... It's hard to live in here it's on a fixed yeah. income, you know um <laughs> but of course, I always do it you know
1: yeah uh, well i've been I've been wanting to talk to you since I read your book. um I got to it late, i apologize i no missed. no it's still yeah. it's
0: fine it's very. Um, current, it's still current. No, there's no problem.
1: Yeah, uh, tell me about the title first, and it's well, in the book, and you yeah. talk about it. I, I miss that news, believe it or not. I think I was well, in LA. Jesus,
0: I. <laughs> um, I mean, long story short, and it is in the book. You know, <clears throat> Schwarzenegger was very hostile to it, and then he did the the thing. He vetoed the gay marriage bill, and just think if he hadn't. That whole Prop 8 thing, everything would have been so much better. And, um, and you know, the thing with him was I knew that actually he probably personally didn't have a problem. Uh-huh. But his advisors, you know, and he took their advice. And one of them was a dyke. You know, this is always life. You know, what? But it's true. Said so You don't have to sign it. So, and then, you know, the Republicans up there didn't like him either. It was kind of a trip. <laughs> Uh, He never went to their caucuses or anything, and one time they did have a meeting with him and they put name tags on (laughs) to say, hey, we're in your party. So I think it um, it was an enormous event, and it was at the Fairmont Hotel, and it was free to all these workers from different professions, the janitors, the LVNs, all these working people, uh, you know, very, very diverse, of course, because they came from San Francisco, uh, who had gotten some benefit from being in a union, either healthcare. And he, of course, vetoed everything. Yeah. So there was no great love for Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I believe that Willie Brown and Aaron Peskin uh, thought it would be cute to have him. Say hello to the crowd. I guess he happened to be at the Fairmont. I don't know what the hell he was doing. You know, we could have been in the Motel 6, you know, for all. And uh, so people were having a great time. The food was great. Everything, of course, was uh, uh, an honorific to them, you know, as a tribute to their hard work. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody came out. It might have been Willie, you know, things get vague. Oh, I should introduce the governor. Well, there was silence at first. And Schwarzenegger thought that, you know, he would be clever and funny, and he, uh, he said something, and then it sunk that it was him in the middle of this. It was like Tommy Lasorda going into the Giants' locker. <laughs> and people stood up and said, fuck you and get out of here, boo, and everything, and he had to leave. And, you know, everybody got, you know, he got caught up in the, in the fervor, and, you know, especially in my mind, that, that it, the vetoing, you know, was just the final straw. So I said, you know, kiss my gay ass. Um, and everything's recorded today. Yeah. So it broke and started to get phone. I've, I always uh, feel very fondly of my staff because they had to take, as well as the support, a lot of abuse, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: So it made the media uh, kind of big time. And it was on uh, Fallon and... Uh, John Stewart, all of it, you know. I was like, holy shit, what a tsunami. And um, so the Kiss My Gay Ass became kind of a, a sinister, I guess. And um, um, when it came time to write the book, almost everyone to the person said, you know, you should call it Kiss My Gay
1: So th- ass. there was no second choice.
0: It was... Well, I I always, you know, David Talbot, I say it could instead of season of the witch, it could be season of the bitch. But (laughs) I I think in any
1: year, you know, certainly in the last 30 years, kiss my gay ass is going to pull well in San Francisco.
0: (laughs) So I always say it's a term of endearment.
1: So humor comes up over and over again in your book. You even say I weaponized it to protect me against bullies. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and when you figured out that humor and laughter could be something that you could use, you know, politically, socially.
0: Yeah, well, I grew up, you know, working class, Italian-American family, and and they were funny. You know, they had a fairly good attitude to towards travails, of which they uh, experienced. And they did have a sense of irony, too, which I thought was great. Yeah. And then they, with an Italian overlay, because, you know, they were not that removed from Italy. Uh, at that, you know, it was in the forties, you know, and, all. and um, it became very obvious to me that I was different, uh, uh, gay in quotes, um, and you know how to h- handle that. Um, but, you know, it was a exercise in survival. I think, you know, there was. A, I went. I, was, I went to sixteen years of Catholic school, and it made me the man I am today. <laughs> so, I mean, there wasn't a lot of sophistication. There was acceptance at home of. Of just me, Tom. But there wasn't a lot of sophistication about the gay thing. You would never say it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember as a kid thinking you could kill me, and I'm not going to say uh, I'm gay. Uh, I mean, it, it was very oppressive. And then at school, um, uh, there were people who surmised uh, because of how I presented. Uh, you know, I was faggy then, and I'm faggy now. What can I say? And uh, uh, that threatened some people. <laughs> so there is a big hassle there. And there was a, the worst part was the shame. I didn't believe I was going to go to hell and, and all that at the school, but there was shame, and I didn't want my family to know. I didn't want to bring and I didn't want to involve them, so I never went to them and say, "Look, I'm getting beaten up," even by a teacher one time. Um, so there, there was turmoil there. Um, I don't think it was all negative, but it was it was this burden that, and I knew, the only thing I could think of was escape. Yeah. Getting the hell out, even though I cared for people and, you know, they cared for me. There there, there was no place for me in New Jersey. And as soon as I uh, graduated college, uh, I left on a Greyhound bus three and a half days, $40 it took. My mother, being Italian, put on a black dress like in mourning. <laughs> wow. She did. Because, yeah. you know, you're supposed to get married, live within two blocks of the family. Yeah. No, that was never going to happen, you know. So, and I wound up here in San Francisco, and um, didn't really like it. I like being away, different. I didn't like the fog. I didn't like the damp. I thought some of the people were parochial. A lot of people related to me as being very odd and weird. I know that sounds shocking.
1: Well, this is the mid '60s too. There was right. still a and Republican I had a in office. Big accent, New Jersey yeah. accent.
0: I still have it, but it was stronger. Yeah. And you know, I was a little with the wrist and the high voice, and definitely a New York attitude. I mean, uh. well, I should say East Coast attitude. You know, which is different here. Um, so I didn't feel comfortable for a, a, a while. You know. When did
1: when did this become your city? When did you know I'm not leaving?
0: I think when I came back from Vietnam.
1: Uh, and tell, I'm sorry, the listeners right now are going, Vietnam? Yeah, <laughs> you, a, you taught in Vietnam. The Avon representative. It's I in try the to book. People, yeah.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, and from I was here 62, 63, 64. I got my master's degree. I was on, you know, flirted with the gay thing in terms of everything was undercover and yeah. all that. So repetitious. And uh, I, I still had the travel bug and... I had applied for the Peace Corps, and that didn't go well, probably for some of the reasons that I didn't get the school letter. And um, I saw an advertisement for a a kind of a Quaker-based group that was in Vietnam and other places. It was like a private Peace Corps. You know, people came from all over the globe. Uh And, of course, nobody in those days was rushing to go to Vietnam. And um, it just clicked. And so from 60, and I was, you know, this is ancient history to a lot of people. But when we had the draft, there were categories. And, of course, they were all politicized. And then 1A was, you know, to a lot of people, the death sentence. When you were 1A, you got drafted. Uh, And there were racial politics that played into that. But there was also when you, if you did go to college, you were probably white and uh you were 1a and then you would become an officer as opposed to a lot of the black draftees or brown draftees you know um uh they were grunts so to speak uh, it's a very complicated history so um for some reason i the, you know the war was percolating but it wasn't on the front burner uh kennedy was still around it was right before he got assassinated and the draft board uh, wrote me I was here in San Francisco wrote me a, you know a, is there a reason you shouldn't be drafted well what, I don't know what it was going to say so I said I have asthma which is true I still have it and I thought well you know I'm I'm going to be one day and they wrote back um and said no you know you 4F which meant you couldn't be drafted and uh-huh. uh, you know for whatever the reason's medical or you were a nutcase or might have even been because you were, I don't know what, what all the who, you know, qualified for that classification. Yeah. Did not make me popular with my friends at the same age who, uh, I was in Berkeley, uh, not going to school there, but I had worked at the recreation center uh, for the handicapped. Uh, uh-huh. It's gone on, it's where the old Flyshacker building was, maybe yeah. from your youth you remember that. Um, it's all torn down now. Uh, so, I started my journey with, with we call it IVS, International Voluntary Services, and I taught English pretty much in in Vietnam for two years during the war. Uh, one of the most significant events was what they called the Tet Offensive. Uh-huh. Some people who were there with me reconnected. It's kind of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah, and one of them said, do you remember the night that we got shelled in Delat? And I go... I do. Why? Because don't you remember we we're all hiding and one got close and you said, fuck this. I'm not going to die on a concrete floor. There's more expected of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and he remembered that. And I don't, re- uh, you know, I don't remember. It sounds like something, yeah. you know. Um, so that taught me a lot. That was very transformative. And, you know, when I, I came back, I knew that uh, I was going to come back to v- uh, Vietnam. To San Francisco because I kind of established stuff and, uh, was getting comfortable and, uh, I didn't certainly want to be in New Jersey by no means. Did and you, did you like it more here when you came back? Yes. I mean, um, I, I was more accustomed. I, I really did get, I had some friends that got involved right away with Vietnamese. Um, they would send wounded Vietnamese kids here. Uh-huh. And because of my limited Vietnamese, I, I found out about that. And, um, you know, worked in that program and, um, you know, tried the teaching thing. Never had a lot of money, you know, so went through the the roommate tango and moved in and around all San Francisco you know, until I um, kind of came out, you know, and coming out, I thought that what I liked the best about what was happening in the gay male community was the friendships. Uh-huh. Believe me, hormones were going, hooking up. Was great, <laughs> uh, but that ex- gave you an extended family, yeah, and uh, that meant a lot to me. And um, I started to teach in the mission, and there were political aspects of that with special ed kids, but they were tracked all their lives. And you discovered immediately that they were monolingual, so all the tests were given in English, so of course, they were classified. Um, as special ed. It was very ugly. And then uh, the school district was totally useless. And that's how um, I started to get involved in community groups that were trying to rectify the um, bias in IQ tests and the racism. You know, bilingual education was looked upon as being un-American and all that a lot of terrible things were were happening
1: I, it feels like reading the book that you were almost cataloging injustices that were going on you, you write Probably, in the yeah. you write in the book about you know these special ed kids and some of them are bullied because they're so much bigger than the other kids yeah and it's because they don't know the language and and i feel like you know you're checking these boxes and seeing these things but I'm wondering if that also related to when you were a kid and the oh, way yeah. you were treated.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, you have a sense of injustice. You know, why do these people want to beat me up? What did I ever do? You know, where I mean, being simplified now, yeah. you know, and uh, and again, you know, I would say my mannerisms and the way I presented weren't at an average New Jersey kid. You know, the being expressive and. Uh, the physical mannerisms. Um, and so it was very hurtful and, of course, scary. And always this really weird thing I'm going to be discovered. Yeah. It sounds so weird if people were putting it together anyway. Um, <clears throat> so there was definitely identification. Yeah. Definitely identification. And the other thing is, I always wanted to perform, even growing up. And I love comedy and watching TV and all the old comics. Um, and I, I just enjoyed it and, um, like I say, my family was funny and in, in person I could be funny and, you know, one way to deal with the bullyism was to have a smart remark uh, and then run like hell, which is yeah. where I got the track letter. Um, <laughs> or it also got me beat up, you yeah. know, the mouth, right? Because I just had to say something. Um, so... It might have appeared odd to other people, but it it seemed natural to me, you know, to do a commentary, and uh, that's what I really wanted to be was a stand-up comic. But I felt that, or some, you know, a writer or something, something performing. So the teaching, you know, in a sense, is performing. Um, and but the, you know, the homophobia in in the, dist- in the district, in uh, the comedy world, was you know, over overwhelming. <clears throat> fag jokes were fine but not fags telling jokes and women had the same bullshit going on and
1: yeah i was surprised not surprised to read it i'm not surprised by anything you know in san francisco but i i i had thought of you as a san francisco comedian and i saw you at comedy day once so i always assumed that you were part of this other cafe and you know, holy city zoo scene, and and that's not the case from reading the book. You, no, you had your kind of own scene going on, and, <laughs> and you participated with, you know, Will and Debbie Durst run comedy day in the park, and Jose Simon. Oh my, and yeah, he was great, and yeah,
0: and both of them. Uh, well, you know, I tried. You know, I just made this. I ran for office, and I got real. You know, beaten quite a bit. You know, uh, lost by a large margin. I jumped into the Board of Education race because I was so angry at what happened to Harvey and Moscone and also the school district uh, members were dicking around with, you know, AIDS. They just were doing a terrible, and they wouldn't name a school after Harvey. Uh, So when that didn't happen the first time, I said, "I'm, I'm almost 40. I'm gonna go and try to do something that I've always wanted to do. And I guess, you know, Going back to one of your remarks, I guess I'd, what you do, is that right? You don't want me, so then let, let's carve it out. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, I was fortunate to feel that way. There was some breakthrough uh, because of Jane Dornacker, uh-huh. uh, who was always uh, sorely missed and tremendously supportive. Sure. And she would just say to the other, you know, Tom Mamiano's going to open for me and shut the fuck up. Yeah. And you know, those were mixed because, you know, it was new. Jane,
1: Jane Dornacker, I should say, she was a very popular comedian, also on the radio, ended up going to New York, dying in a helicopter yeah, crash. Yeah, the dad uh, went there that day for yeah.
0: a gig. Um, yeah, no, she was a, a, a true San Franciscan phenomenon, And um, she she was very helpful in, in how she could be, but I was told by you know other personnel, you know, with AIDS, we, we think it's going to turn people off, and it turned out later that the guy was closeted. The only reason I say that is to show you how crippling... I, I did go to LA for six months, I tried, to uh, go to the open mics and stuff. And um, especially from the managers and like that, I would t- even when they were gay, we, holy hell, hom- totally homo. No, we can't, you can't do gay stuff. You know, we just said, I, I, it was torturous in that time, but it felt fulfilling. I was doing something I think I always wanted to do. And then, you know, when I, I stayed involved politically, And, um, the third, and I ran for office the third time, um, at the advice of my then husband, who's, you know, now gone.
1: Second time I should mention you, you spent, what, $12 (laughs) on a school board campaign? Yes. This is, this is all the, you're running to name the school after Harvey Milk, which Right, In district, yeah, and I thought... And then you spent $12 and then almost won. Almost won. And
0: I dressed up as Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) (laughs) There's a picture in the book. (laughs) Uh... So there, and that led me to the 1990 when I ran for school board again, Uh and this time came in number one, and it was part of the context of what they call the lavender sweep. Yeah. Because Diane uh, had vetoed domestic partners, and then people were so angry with that, and you know, the muscle was growing with the LGBT community, and with allies, too. Yeah. It's a little different. And so um, we put uh, domestic partners on the ballot, and the Catholic Church lobbied heavily against it, which we know was very questionable. And it lost. Well, this is the thing about the LGBTQ community. They may not always get along <laughs> personally, but you know when you fuck with them. So we came back even stronger especially under the tutelage of Harry Britt and a guy named Matt Cole from the ACLU. And they ran what we would we call today a slate. So I ran for school board. We didn't sit down and plan it. it just, yeah. And then a woman named Donna Hitches ran for judge. And I guess it was Migdon and, and Aktenberg. And anyway, we all won. And Domestic Partners was... Um, Yeah. Prop K. And I always say this probably too much. I was an activist. Part of my life was an activist. And that informed my politics and my approach to politics. (coughs) And um, even though there are a lot of uh, anti-gay and anti amiano per se and all that, um, you know, I... um, uh, with the help of a lot of people in the communities, surmounted that and stuck around for a long time.
1: <laughs> What's the biggest laugh you got as a politician? Do you remember? Well, there several in the book.
0: Yeah, Sacramento, there was a minuteman, a Republican who had been in the militia, and he was certainly not warm and fuzzy to the open, openly gay presence in Sacramento, and uh, blah, blah, blah. So one time... He stood up and he kept referring to me as, you know, Tom Amiano's, uh sexual preference, sexual preference. And so I threw up to Mike and I said, look, if you're going to go on that trip, at least be correct. You know, my sexual orientation is gay. My sexual preference is uh, Brad, uh, Brad Pitt. So that got <laughs> a pretty good response. So. We'll be
1: right back after this short break. I'm going to jump way ahead here and just ask you about the book and um, you know so many things that you did that in some cases people said you shouldn't be the one to bring this subject forward um, and then and then so many things that you fought for that were controversial at the time are now just everybody agrees on and not everybody no. but but in San Francisco certainly and in California healthy San Francisco uh, cannabis the domestic partners ordinance how much of this book was just framing all that and pointing out that you were the one who were behind this early and and i think a lot of other people have taken credit or certainly yeah, are writing on things that you you've done
0: yeah you know sometimes that would, would would bug me but other times you know for instance with healthy san francisco you know newsom was very proprietary short even though he was not helpful at all and, yeah um so um uh, I didn't like that part of it, but I did like the part, what the fuck had happened, you know? Whether or not Tom Amiano's name is emblazoned, the most important thing was that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and people do come around. I mean, I, I'm not starved for recognition. And, I'm, you know, I'm great, especially among young people. The book came about because uh, I was getting pissed off at revisionism. You know, I lived through a lot of this shit. People would make a movie or write a book or an essay. And I go, you know, it fucking didn't happen that way. Um, so, um, I just really didn't have the discipline, I think to, write. I've tried, it didn't look very good, and, you know, demands on time and getting older. So, uh, Tim Redmond and John Gollinger said, why don't we do this? Why don't we record you and, uh, we'll transcribe it and see what kind of book comes out of it. And that's basically how it happened. And uh, I think that's also responsible for people who have known me for a long time saying, when I read the book, I think you're right in the room. <laughs> well, it's because, just as if this was transcribed now, pretty much that ha- that's how the book happened.
1: I, I and- describe it to people, like I've interviewed you a few times and usually there's like a couple quotes. I think the last one was about... Uh, roller skating in jfk drive a couple of years mm. ago and you gave me this absolutely pristine quote i mean it was a perfect quote for my piece but there was this conversation before and conversation after that was hilarious and that's like this whole book um I, i'm gonna read a passage to you this is one of my favorites uh Straight people who marched in the gay parade got extra credit at the time because of Diane Feinstein's retro attitude. I recall Feinstein saying something like, I'm never going to march in the gay parade because I don't want to have my picture taken next to a giant dildo. That's right. Good Lord, I asked. What about her
0: husband, Richard Blum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Diane still has problems with me. Um, she have was, you, she was you, the butt of a lot of my comedy. You know,
1: have you so. sent her the
0: book? <laughs> no, poor thing. Now you know, that, yeah, um, she's under great duress. I, I'll tell you a story that you know. everyone yeah. So I mean, obviously uh, Diane was not fond of, and um, you know, because of political stuff, and she, you know, I did give her credit for you know, AIDS was not discriminatory when it came to class background or 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 race. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of. Um, what we called a gays, you know, uh, usually white men, some women, who were fixed and rather moderate and but they were out, and when they started to die, and horribly, some of them went to her and they said, you know, this isn't what Reagan is saying, this isn't, what... and so she did pony up money for research. You know, she, you know, she took a more moderate stance, but uh-huh. the bar was low. You know, other mayors were doing shit. Maybe there's a few. Um, but other than that, we were at odds on everything, you know, and um, politically. So I was in the in, in the assembly, and they said, we're going to go to, we'd like you to come with us. We're going to go to uh, Washington, and we're going to lobby, you know, for money for this and that, things that you like. And I said, you know, transportation. I always like transportation. And I said, great. So I went, and... Um, they said, we're going to meet with Feinstein tomorrow. And I said, you know, I think I'll take a pass. <laughs> the, you know, they said, no, you should come. You're from California. You know your shit. <clears throat> so, what, what,
1: what year was this? Jeez.
0: Well, I was there from 2008 to 2014. Okay. So, so I'll take a stab, like 12. Okay. All right. You know, or 11, you yeah. know. Um, so we got to her office and she greeted us because, you know, we're the California delegation. And the speaker said, Introduce, you started to do the introductions. And he said, Oh, Fiona, I- uh, Fiona, oh, Diane, I know you know Fiona Ma. And she put her hands on Fiona's face. Fiona, I'm so <laughs> glad to see you. How old, and then he goes, And of course, you know Tom. And she went, Hello. <laughs> and then during the meeting, she kept referring to me. This is the thing in politics. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you have an opponent, you go, And what do you think? You know, so at the end, I guess she had a hobby. Uh, she did paintings, uh-huh. little bit flowers and stuff, and then she had prints made and framed them, and would give one, you know, to people who met with her,
1: like like George Bush with his. I guess I never okay. thought of okay. it. All right. I didn't know about this.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I I didn't want it. I didn't want to be rude, but I didn't want it, and I I left it on the couch, and as I'm walking out, she looks up and she goes, "Amiano, <laughs> take your picture." <laughs> And I say something stupid like, "Oh, you know, I have a very small." Fortunately, somebody stepped in. Oh, I'll take it for Tom. <laughs> Amiana, <laughs> yeah, pretty good, huh?
1: Well, I gotta, I gotta ask you about the track letter. Um, this brought you national fame. It brought the book national fame after it came out. I think every author wants a situation like. This. Yeah, at least it yeah.
0: wasn't a scandalous thing. Yeah,
1: anyway. yeah. Um, you went on you went on uh, KQED with the um, Yeah, it was and just Scott very nice. You know, I've known Schaefer. them Schaefer,
0: sure. And um, I always mentioned you know, if I saw them I said, you know, if you ever want to do anything, let me know and you know with COVID and then they had layoffs. I mean, yeah. they were in um, they had a podcast. And uh, they didn't forget me and they I get I don't even remember when it was. November, December.
1: Yeah, and you you bring up this letter, you were Yeah, I thought it was on the you know, track yeah, team. I think they
0: if we go yeah. back and I said, oh, yeah, this happened, you know. And so there was, uh, the ecumenical part is one of the listeners was uh, a cantor, a Jewish guy, not gay, uh, a, a singer, you know, obviously he was a cantor. And um, he he took it on himself to, which I never would have done, it, uh, to approach the school. And uh, the Catholic Church has not really changed that much in terms sure. of hierarchy. But on the ground, for instance, the Democrats, Graphics of Immaculate, when I was there, was either working class Irish and Italian, uh, maybe a few people of color, very few. uh, And then, and we had free tuition because we lived in the parish of Catholic people. Mm -hmm. And then there were well to do people, you know, Irish Catholic families who paid tuition. And today, it's almost all brown and black um, with a heavy, uh, you know, immigrant background. So they re- they checked out his story, which was great of them, because uh, I kind of dropped it, you know. And um, they saw it was true, and they wrote me this, uh, you know, very uh, eloquent letter.
1: They didn't just, they researched, they found... Yeah, the the, the, the coach, coach,
0: who's 90 years old. The coach is still alive. Eddie Kirk, he was great. You know, yeah. we were kind of, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to say we were the mighty ducks, but we were the guys who forget football, forget basketball. Yeah. And uh, this opened up a whole new world. And, you know, he was really a decent, he was hard. He was a very decent, I mean, you know, I, I actually admired him. Finally, you know, a male role model. And he didn't take any shit. He was, you know, um, he was great. Yeah. He was great. And he's still alive. And I heard he, he's written his own book and um, been involved in a lot of uh, social justice. Thing. You know, so who knows? And very Catholic. Yeah. Very Catholic. Well, it's probably more liberation Um, theology, but I I don't want to, I don't know, you know, but, um, and then the other guys remembered and, you know, yeah, Tom was skinny. Tom was funny. He was a good runner and he deserves a letter.
1: So. And you, you, you deserve this varsity letter. Do you remember your mile time or two mile
0: time? It was five. I think it was five. You did a five flat,
1: pretty much. That is yeah, yeah. Fantastic. My son runs. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Yeah, and but, I ran, and my sister ran. Well,
0: you know, uh, remember the age and the weight. Yeah. Uh, even though with the asthma, you can control it. You can, you know, do your thing, and yeah. then a second wind would happen uh, for the long distance. And I thought it was spiritual. Yeah. I, I was on my own, and I could keep moving and nobody around me to harass me, nobody around me to compete with me. Um, there is a book called the, Something of the Long Distance Runner. Yeah. And uh, But I didn't know about that book then. So, um, that was a triumph, and it gave you, an, every meet or every win uh, gave you points. Yeah. And that put me over the top for a letter.
1: Yeah, but they didn't give you your letter. No, it took a, you
0: know it takes a year. Yeah. You get it your next year. And... Um, the very same people who determine all that and add up the things are the same people who harass me around the you know gay issue, that yeah. c- calling me a faggot and punching me and whatever other people do. Uh, and that was only at school. Forget it. You know, going home was a whole bunch of other people. So um, I think my guess is that what they call today toxic masculinity yeah how can we give a letter to this guy he's not even an athlete i mean he's not a football he's not basketball what is track and look at him you know so they were threatened that their letters would be diminished if someone like me took one home or qualified so they uh, uh, coincidentally decided oh you know we looked at the rule book and that 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 meat doesn't qualify because of codes. It was just bullshit. Yeah. So, and that of course took away the points for for the letter.
1: How, how much did you think about this over the years, and what well, did it, what did it mean to you that somebody over there took the time to to correct an injustice?
0: It was pretty. I, I was very surprised. You know, so it was, I haven't buried it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, but it, it, it always, um, and I've liked the um, always. Like, especially here in San Francisco, the, you know, queer fan base, you know, um, for the Giants and the Niners, and, you know, all those stereotypic stuff about uh, gay men particularly, you know, although there's, as you know, there's not too many out players. But um, I think that that kind of addressed, like, see, uh, you can be gay and be a sports fan and and be very athletic, you know, just yeah. that those little uh, tropes that stick around forever when there's you know, a phobia. Um, so I didn't, it, occasionally it just came to me as something significant. So when I got sworn in as president of the board of soups, so there I was president of the board and I, you know, I very seldom, I don't like planned speeches. I don't, we used to make fun of certain people before they got up and, and spoke, we'd lean over and say, here comes the outrage and appalled. And then <laughs> And then the people. I am outraged, and I am appalled. You we know, <laughs> look at each other, um, and that story came to mind. Yeah. So it must have meant something—the connection. Yeah. You know, and I told that story, and um, so that was really uh, the last time I did an account. And to my surprise, some people remembered that story, um, and a few even, you know, after the meet, and what never got reported. Yeah. In the press or never. and I don't think. Um, the meetings might not even been televised. You know, sure. we'd have to check. And a few people, you know, that was a good story. I said, oh, really? You know, and so then when I wrote the book, uh, talking about high school, you know, we tried to be linear. Because I'm not linear, you know, and you can tell in the book. Um, it just came to mind. Yeah. And then uh, the guy read it. And now, icing on the cake, I'm going to get not only a letter, but a um, sweater to wear with it. Oh, Probably next month, sometime. Next month, so it hasn't arrived yet. No, uh, they wanted to see this woman, who's president of the alumni, wanted to, has a sister out here. Oh, that's lovely. And she wanted to come out and see her, and then give it all to me. So we'll see, you know, what what works. And
1: well, I, I want to just mention uh, Carol Pogash wrote a wonderful piece for the New York Times, and I love that there's a connection because her uh, husband, now gone, Jim Wood, wrote. Um, I think, one of the first positive pieces and, and I brought you framed. out to the world. I have it framed, yeah. yeah. So that's a wonderful uh, it uh, was a, full circle a, What thing.
0: a noble, lovely man. And, uh, you know, the editors did not uh, suppress him either. Yeah. And uh, it was good. Another thing about Carol, just because <laughs> yeah. she told me that she left. So she has uh, an adult son and the ad- adult son is dating a woman and uh, he knows about this story in the book, and so we went to the woman's house, and she has the book on her coffee table. So there you
1: are. <laughs> well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take you, if you'll consent to it, to the lightning round. This is uh, usually Heather Knights on the podcast with me and administers the lightning round. But okay. she's, she's allowing me to do it in 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 her stead. Um, and uh, this has brought politicians to tears. But uh, I will. Uh,
0: first question
1: favorite place to get a burrito
0: oh cancun taqueria cancun on mission and, and presida
1: favorite san francisco movie
0: I, th- I i i like the zodiac okay which didn't get a lot of play but it's very well done Then the chronicles involved the the
1: chronicles in
0: it the uh, performances were great and you know it felt like san francisco
1: that scene where they're like building the transamerica pyramid
0: oh my and- gosh yeah it meant a lot, especially if you've been around. I mean, that, I mean, obviously. But it was also Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Robert Downey. I mean, the people were, the performance and the script were good. And it scared me. Yeah. It was spooky.
1: You want to talk about Hollywood money? David Finchner, the director, came in the Chronicle to scout out locations, saw the Chronicle, said, this place is too fucking messy.
0: That's what a newsroom is. Turned
1: around, and he rebuilt the Chronicle pillar for pillar down in L.A. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, you played yourself in Milk. Yeah. (laughs) Who plays you in the Kiss My Gay Ass movie? Ah, very... Who who uh, would you choose? Well,
0: I think it should be... I think there should be... I mean, this is... I don't know. Two people. Someone when uh, I... You know, someone who's younger. And then maybe someone who's older. And I I feel a little awkward with this question because, you know, who cares? But, uh, you know maybe someone who's out as a young actor now there there's a few um you know Ian you know from what's his name from England uh McKellen McKellen you know he's about my age and uh although I don't know if he would master a New Jersey accent I don't know how hard that might be I think he could do it M- uh, might you know But uh, you can play yourself him.
1: again too you you did that once already yeah
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Maybe uh, Zachary Quinto. Yeah. I liked him as Mr. Spock.
1: When I first heard about this book, I was interviewing you for something else, and you told me, I've got a book coming out, and the Chronicle takes a beating. Um, read the book. The Chronicle, uh, you know, is criticized. And I thought you were fair. Um, lightning round question, are you still a subscriber?
0: Yes. A dissatisfied one. but <laughs> okay. It's more to do with print. Okay. And my loyalty to print. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, yeah,
0: you know, I really should have said, well, this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I am, and that's truthful, yeah. All
1: right. Well, we we do appreciate it. Um first concert.
0: Joan Baez.
1: Really? Where'd you see her?
0: At the uh, LIU Hall down by uh, Fisherman's Wharf. Uh-huh. Uh is it LIU? It's so bad now. Yeah. But, you know, Labor Hall.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Favorite place to get a stiff drink back when we could do
0: that? Oh, yeah. I always liked uh, El Rio for a good martini. And Virgil's, which is closed now. Yeah,
1: Virgil's is closed. was in the neighborhood.
0: I could walk down there and, you know.
1: Yeah. And last question. One thing you always fit into your busy day? Me? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I think, you know, uh, uh, watching or reading about politics of the day. Yeah, um, I like to stay informed, and I like to yell at the at the. TV, and uh, I reprint, and then I go online, uh, and sometimes all those things happen in one day. Yeah, But it's just part of my routine now.
1: Are you watching? I mean, are you on sfgov.tv watching these school board meetings? Occasionally,
0: the,
1: you know, I won't JFK Drive. Are you like? Are you are you on top of these? Sometimes. Things?
0: But, yeah. you know, um, when there's, I want to see how certain people are going to vote. Yeah. I want to hear the arguments. Pretty much, there's never a surprise. I mean, yeah. because I was there for 14 years, you know. And um, it gets a little stale, you know, watching the motions. And then, uh, you know, so I don't watch the government channel unless there's something really... Juicy, yeah. but I do read all, of it. not Twitter, as you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I greatly appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, well, I hope it
0: means something to somebody.
1: Yeah, I, I think it will. And I, I think uh, this book, you know, I, I knew a little bit about you. I didn't know anything about you before you came to San Francisco. Yeah, I know. We all and, just
0: came up. Yeah, all of us, right?
1: And I'm going to be honest, like, I was white knuckling it through this whole book because it gets dishy. I thought, like, my good friend Heather Knight and my aunt is Susan Leal. I'm like going like, Oh my God, are they gonna have a chapter on them? Heather got off scot free. Susan got a little little drive by, but it wasn't too bad.
0: Yeah, no, you know, because he's like what's worth it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sixty three years.
0: So that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I learned a lot about you. I thought well of you before I read the book. I was excited to read it. Um, I, I really appreciate even more um, a lot of fights that you started that particularly where people are telling you you're not the one to start it and you got in that fight anyway. And, uh, and I, I just appreciated that, reading the book and, and appreciate what you've done for the city and, and uh, thanks for coming on.
0: Well, you're very, very nice and I appreciate that you appreciate it. How can people get the book? Um, they can uh, order it through kissmygayass.com. And screw you, Jeff Bezos, and Amazon. So, <laughs>
1: Get it at your local yeah, bookstore. Yeah, you know, the Bay Guardian online. is so
0: perfect Is, is yeah. the publisher. So the, the funny thing about the naming... Uh-huh. So, like, when you're doing it, you want to be aware that not everything is cranky. You're not settling scores that are old. And it did come to me. There was a couple th- names not in the book because I recognized them. Yeah. It gave them a little something. And I know how people about things like this especially if you're in the public eye the first thing you do is go to the index which i don't have yeah find, find, find your name, name. <laughs> so that it wasn't mentioned that's my revenge
1: <laughs> all right well you might very good chance you're in this book if you were in san francisco politics um wonderful book and thank you for having me in your backyard Tom yeah Adiana. good what a
0: perfect uh, setting and uh perfect timing
1: You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Tom Amiano. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight time champion Byron Cobb. If you're listening this far, you probably like Total SF. Please take 10 seconds and give us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. Support Total SF and the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a Digital Chronicle Edition at sfchronicle.com slash pod.